Welcome to episode 53 of the In General Podcast. As you've probably noticed, I am not Jack, but I am Chris, and today I'm joined with Assis. Ooh, hello guys, hello, welcome back. Uh, so, what's up with this new crew hosting the podcast right now, Assis? Uh, you know, we're, we're trying some things out, you know, we're gonna, uh, uh, I don't know. Well, Alex is supposed to be here. Yeah. <laughs> things happen, I'm guessing he fell asleep. Yeah, we're not, we're not really sure what happened to Alex. Um, hopefully he'll turn up at some point. But, uh, yeah, no, so to get out podcasts more regularly, we're not necessarily sticking to the usual crew. In other words, who's available to do a podcast will do the podcast. And that way you get to hear from new perspectives more often and different voices. Uh, I wasn't even, I probably was not planning on being in this podcast today, but things worked out, and here I am. Yeah, so it'd be pretty. It'd be pretty boring if it was just me talking by myself. We, because I've done that before, and that was a uh, complete disaster. If you uh, recall correctly, with the uh, drunk Jurassic Park three uh, trial run, that was a, a whole mess. Are you talking about episode forty nine point five? Oh no, no, not even that. Remember way back in like, uh, I think early December, I recorded a uh, episode of me just talking drunk about Jurassic Park three while watching it. Like no, kind of I do not remember. I do oh, not. <laughs> oh, I have, I have that, and it's, it's a, uh, it's a whole mess. It's a, it's a whole oh, thing, dude. I am sure it's beautiful. Um, but anyhow, we've got a few subjects to talk about today, and I'm pretty excited about some of this news. Um, I think the first thing that we wanted to immediately jump into was the ability to win a trip to the Jurassic World two set in Hawaii. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, so basically, it's a uh, kind of a donation-based thing where you have to pay, or not pay, donate $10, and you have a chance to win a, uh, a trip to the Hawaii set, which is fun. You know, Chris Pratt's always been doing the, uh, he's always been into the uh, charity game, you know. And then uh, you get to help a 14-year-old patient, Makina Schwab. Yes, I think that's from, how you pronounce her name. Yeah, from the uh, Seattle Children's Hospital. So uh, it's, it's for a good cause, guys. Uh, I'm not even looking at Jurassic Park as a, re- as a reward. It's good to give to these donations and charities and whatever, so... It's just uh, it's it's a whole thing. It's it's only it's limited to sorry the uh, to Canada and the USA, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, unfortunately, at this moment, there isn't a way to win um, a visit to the trip if you live in any other country. However, it's still money to a good cause. So if you do yeah. have the money to spare and you're looking to you know give some money to something that counts, this is this would be something great to give some money to. So if you are a winner, um, if you do win a visit to the set, you win a trip for four. And they're round-trip coach tickets from the U.S. or Canada on Delta Airlines, a four-night stay at the Marriott in Oahu, um, visit the set of the Jurassic World sequel, hang out with Chris Pratt, and get a sneak peek of the film as you watch scenes being filmed. Um, honestly, that's pretty awesome. To be, if I were entirely candid, I would love to visit the set in, um... London, because the sound stages mean there's a better chance of seeing the animatronic dinosaurs. Oh, but Hawaii, dude, the, ho- the but weather. Ha- Hawaii is like a beautiful vacation. You know it's going to be awesome. But man, I am a sucker for seeing um sets that are built. But th- this is honestly, I think, I think that's mainly a thing for me. Like as in, like most people will be like, no, I'd rather go to Hawaii. Um, either way, oh, yeah. money to a good cause and a very very cool prize if you do win. You reckon they'll bring some uh, animatronics down to Hawaii? You know, it's possible. In you know, Jurassic Park, they brought the sick Triceratops. In Jurassic World, they had the Dinopatosaurus. So, in this Jurassic World 2, I'm sure they'll have, like, the lethargic Stegosaurus or something. Um, <laughs> That'd be cool. Uh, no, I, I, you know, 
I I really don't know because we don't know what they're doing for um, animatronics in Jurassic World 2. We know that they exist. We know there's going to be more than the animatronics in Jurassic World, which was just the neck and head of an Apatosaurus. But beyond that, we really don't know what they've built. Um, so I guess it really depends on what they have planned for, for Hawaii and um, what type of practical effects they're going to be utilizing. Now, as we know, there are quite a few sets being built uh, in Hawaii. If you follow Real News Hawaii, he's uh, been covering all sorts of locations all over the place. Um, I'm not exactly sure what the sets include, but I think there's uh, one near where the... not It isn't the same set as the Gyrosphere Valley. It's near the Gyrosphere Valley. Yeah, yeah. but there's one being built there. Um, there's one that sort of looks like a... like it, the, the structural look of it is very similar to a... Uh, a tunnel in Hawaii, which is kind of interesting. Uh, yeah, that, that set looks fully done too, right? It's uh, looking pretty much done, pretty yeah. finished. Uh, and then there's the other big one. I think I think it's called Police Beach that it's located on. And then I want to say there might be one or two other sets that he's. There's one at a uh, landing strip somewhere, if I remember correctly. I, I think that's the one in Police Beach. Uh, um, okay. And then I think I think that there's at least like four sets though. I, I'm really they're probably some of them probably aren't huge. But I think the build and police speech is supposed to be pretty pretty big. So whatever it ends up being is going to be pretty pretty cool. Um, honestly, having the ability to visit one of those sets would be really, really awesome, especially while they're filming. Again, I love like just seeing the artistry that goes into building a set and all the detail that goes into it. So like while going in the middle of Hawaii and just going on a trek through the jungle is freaking awesome, I would love to be able to like just immerse myself in the detail of like a fictional film set that is a completely built up... Um, Especially Dude, how you. yeah, how jealous are you of, of the people who were like extras during Jurassic World on the Main Street set? That oh, thing must have been incredible. I know, especially when you hear the. Uh, I think some of them talked about it like during their downtime, um, like in between filming scenes. I think they said they had to go like sit in the set where they would see the classic visitor center or something like that. So basically, like during their downtime, they were like sitting around the classic visitor center from Jurassic Park. That's crazy, um, and, dude. like, they're like, oh, they saw it, they're like, oh my god, no way. Um, tell me how cool that would be. Just be like, okay, you guys are taking a break, uh, just here's your break area. Welcome to Jurassic Park. It's like, what? You know what, speaking of classic, uh, classic Jurassic and, uh, and sets, what are the chances we'll see some more, uh, classic Jurassic Park era sets? You know, because, like, the, uh, the, the structure or the tunnel thing we saw, or spoilers, spoiler alert, that looks kind of like a, a, a 1993 era kind of architecture from the original park, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it definitely, the architecture style um, reminds me more of Jurassic Park than Jurassic World. Jurassic World was very um, mainstream and stream and modern. It had, you yeah, know... Super metallic and stuff. Yeah, it had little uh, flourishes of unique architectural style, but overall, it, it was, you know, you wouldn't necessarily think that it looked out of place if you saw it on, like, a boardwalk for a theme park or something along those lines. Or, like, or like even, a strip or, mall, even. Yeah, even, yeah, I was like to say, an outdoor mall or something. Like, you know, it's done yeah. up, it's done pr pretty ornately, but it doesn't quite have that same, like, you know, almost... I'm trying to figure out the best way to describe the, uh, the architectural style of Jurassic Park. But it has a lot of like slanted angles, kind of like concrete, oh, okay. sort of militaristic, with like a little bit of like sort of everything. Sort of looks like a mixture of bunkers and tiki huts. Is the best way that I could describe Jurassic Park. Bunkers. Oh yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. For Jurassic Park, yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure. And so, um, one of the sets seemed to have that ar architectural style. Whether or not it's actually you know something from the original Jurassic Park, 
or if it's just something new that they're borrowing that art style for, it's really hard to say, and we won't know until the movie comes out. But uh, I do hope that we get a revisit some uh, classic locations again. Um, I'm looking may- at the door, man. The door looks it looks like it's been rotting away a little bit. So I'm thinking it might be an, an old set. Yeah, it's really hard to say. I mean, because they're probably not finished building it. Like, by the time it's done, like, it might look, like, brand new and pristine and beautiful. Or oh, that's such a gut punch. <laughs> or, or it might be, like, covered in vines and ivy and really look run down. Um, and I, I kind of hope we don't find out um, until we see it in the trailer or in the movie. Yeah, I, this is this is enough of a, uh, a little tease to whet my appetite, if you will. But uh, I absolutely do want to see returning locations from Jurassic Park, even if we've never seen them in the film. So we know that, you know, the island was fairly large, and there are definitely some locations that we just never got to see in Jurassic Park. But we know they existed, whether or not it was, like, the research facility or, um, you know, it's possible some of the facilities from the book actually existed in the movie, even though we never saw them, like the uh, the geothermal plants uh, in the northern sections of the island. Um, Chris, if we're, if we're going with a, uh, a volcano a volcano thing, what are the chances we see something like a, a geothermal plant or like an underground system of vents or whatever, like the uh, Jurassic Park game? I, well, you know, that's sort of out of the book, you know. Um, and I really, I do hope that we see that. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, the geothermal, the, geothermal, ugh, the whole geothermal story stuff is straight out of the book. God, the book is so good, but it's been it's been a it's been a long, long time. Since well, I've straight read out of the book. straight out of the books, I should say, because uh, both of the books touched on the idea of geothermal power. Man, I want a, uh, but I want some classic Jurassic. Man, I'm feel, I'm I'm getting I'm getting some real good vibes right now. I don't know why. No, yeah, absolutely. I really hope that we do see more from the classic Jurassic era. Um, I you know, I think Jurassic World was really really cool seeing everything in an operational function. But again, yeah. a lot of the visuals necessarily didn't capture my imagination the way Jurassic Park did. Uh, maybe the one exception I could think of is when we were inside of T-Rex Kingdom, when you're seeing the T-Rex uh, mm-hmm. viewing station inside of like that kind of like they disguise it as a fallen tree inside of, inside of like the log or the tree. I thought yeah. that was pretty cool. That was pretty, clever, yeah. Yeah, that was pretty unique and pretty cool. But otherwise, everything else, like we said, it was kind of modern. It, you wouldn't think twice if you saw it in, like, a modern outdoor mall or an amusement park or SeaWorld or something along those lines. So, but the um, raptor set, the, like, the raptor uh, paddock area, that was that's JP, man. That's straight-up JP, in my opinion. I don't think so. Honestly, oh, I, what? I didn't like that set. It was kind of boring. Oh, um, I love that set. I want a whole movie of just that. I don't know. Just the whole the whole structure of it kind of lacked that... Um, There was something very... I guess what the best way I could say is the silhouette of Jurassic Park architecture was very distinct. And even like the uh, the Raptor Arena or whatever it was that they ended up calling it, I, I felt like it didn't really have a unique silhouette. Like the best way I think it was like shaped like maybe an octagon. Um, but it didn't really so. have a silhouette to it. Its structural build was just kind of like catwalks over a pen. But it was functional. There was no, um, for me, the architecture really didn't like of the Raptor Arena, for me, it didn't really have a unique silhouette. Like, it, you wouldn't necessarily see that and say, like, oh, that belongs in Jurassic Park, where everything else in Jurassic Park had a very... I don't know, there's something to stick to the stylistic nature of it. Even, like, the Raptor Paddock, the shape of it was quite unique. Um, so I, I think I, that's nostalgia, though, because <laughs> I, think, I think the Raptor Paddock in Jurassic World didn't need to be, like, flashy, because, you know, it was like a, uh, a straight-up, just a set for, like, I, keeping the Velociraptors penned in, you know? Oh, I agree. It doesn't need to be flashy for, um, like, a fictional audience, but, you know, us as an audience, 
making locations stand out, giving a unique architectural style, you can have fictional reasons why it looks unique. You know, you could pretend like, oh, it's shaped this way to facilitate the technology they're using to keep these animals tracked and secure, etc. Same with the Indominus Rex paddock. It was just a concrete bunker with some doors. It just, I don't know. Yeah, that, that paddock was boring. <laughs> I, I felt both, I felt like both those left a lot to be desired. Um, there was a lot of potential there, but I feel like they never really went anywhere with it. So I know like a lot of people are like hoping, like, oh, I hope the Indominus Rex paddock is back in Jurassic World 2, and I'm just sort of like, but why? I... I don't know. I guess I don't see... I don't find it to be an exciting location, and personally, at, with the very little that I know, um, I don't see what it could add to the story. Now, who knows? Maybe it could add something to the story. But, Isn't uh, it being refurbished right now, though? Uh, well, yeah, but that's by... um, That's by... Uh, what's the name of... The, the Tours... Real tours? Is it that? No, no, no. Um, it's it's a private ranch, but you can tour it. They, uh, yeah. Well, anyways, I guess. Um, I, I'm literally drawing a blank right now. But they're refurbishing it because it's part of their uh, attractions that people come to visit. And the set was never meant to stay up long term, so it's made on materials that degrade pretty quickly in the uh, tropical environment. So they have okay, to keep. Fair enough. So they've been refurbishing it nonstop since the movie stopped filming, basically. I mean, it is a good tourist attraction. I mean, isn't the uh, the gyrosphere set now like a wedding place or whatever? Yeah, yeah, I think that that one, that the people are using that for weddings pretty frequently. Um, and that, of course, is still standing, and uh, the Indominus Rex paddock is still standing. And I think that random gate that they busted through, uh, the kids busted oh, through with the Jurassic yeah. Park Jeep, I think that's still okay, standing. So but I'm not really sure if they actually built that gate for the movie. Yeah, or if it's there from, like, beforehand. Yeah, I was going to say, because it is literally incredibly boring looking. Like, it looks like a that's random... A straight like, up gate. Like, a, yeah. a gate to keep a horse in or something. Exactly. exactly. So, yeah, I, I'm thinking that this might have been part of the property and that they just filmed it because it existed. Um, but anyhow, that was a bit of a tangent. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of potential to visit a Jurassic World 2 set in Hawaii... And it would honestly be the coolest thing ever. And like I said, even if you don't win, you're donating to a good cause. Um, and you can take us with you if you want. I mean, yeah. we're known and, to have a good party, so you know. That is very true. And you and I are from the U.S. and Canada. This is true. We are not British. So technically, if one of us wins, we could bring the other Ryan with us. Yes. I wonder if you could bring um, people from out, like outside of the country with you even if they don't win, to, like, if they don't, like, people from outside of the country can't win, but maybe they could be your plus one if they, like, flew into Canada or the U.S. where your flight was departing from, and then, like... I mean, that makes sense, right? Why, why wouldn't they? Yeah, as long as they had their own, like, as long as they had a passport and were cleared for travel. It's we'll probably... Have, we'll have Jack and, uh, Jack and Alex fight for it, I think. Like I said, like we, if, if one of us win, we just gotta bug them for a fifth slot. Get yeah, the, we'll push rings. Universal, or, number one fans. Let's do it. Well, let's just get seven slots. We can get all of our team. We can get Josh. And we can get... Uh, you know, Jen is part of the Jurassic yes, Outpost team yes, now. Yes, yes, yes. Congratulations. She has, a, she has an article, actually, written. And I was just uh, proofreading it. It looks very good. Um, I'm thinking that we'll probably we'll probably post that tomorrow. Um, tomorrow, as in re from the date that we're recording. By the time this podcast is out, the article might already be out. I'm not sure. Either way, go look at Jurassic Outpost. I hear they're a good website. Yeah, not not bad. Good JurassicOutpost.com. Good. good <laughs> um, it's a good group of people, I'd say. I might be a bit biased. I think so. I might be a bit biased. 
Dude, um, I, I missed you guys so much. It's been like a month since April. Since I we know. Out, I know. I we had a ton of fun, and it was way too short. And honestly, we need to do that again. Um, well, it's gonna happen soon. You know that. Ryan has Ryan never seen my old beard photos, or no? He probably thinks... no. This is this is very old. Those are old pics, bro. Oh yeah, he thinks that that's a, a new picture. Um, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> Shit. I, I was like, why is he so confused? Um, okay, so some of the other subjects that we want to talk about has to relate to our second favorite character in the entire Jurassic Park franchise, behind Paul Kirby, Ian oh. Malcolm. <laughs> uh, do you want to read what? Yeah, why don't you take the lead? Okay, thank you, Chris. I will take over, in fact. All right. In an interview with Entertainment Weekly, actor Jeff Goldblum, who will be reprising his role as Dr. Ian Malcolm. Wow, I didn't know that. Uh, he talked about a bit of his character and what we can expect with uh, with him returning. I think. I think, right? What do you mean? Like, I'm not sure if this is actually him saying what, like this is going to be the mo- guy in the next movie, or like this is just him in general, you know? Saucy, sassy man. Oh, I think that he is referring to Malcolm's character in Jurassic World 2. The the way that he words it seems to be, um... The way that he words it seems like he's, you know, talking a bit about where Malcolm is as a character now. Uh, why okay. don't you read the quote? I will. It's going to be a, uh, a hassle, but I can do it. I can do it. Yeah, it is a, it is a mouthful. That's a huge quote. <laughs> this is This quote is longer than anything I've ever said in, like, like 50 episodes of podcasting. So here we go, guys. Uh, off I go in a few weeks to London, where they've been hard at work, and I'll try to contribute something to the plate of Dino Entertainment. I like my character. I hope he does. I think my character is saucy, sassy man, of some integrity and deep thinking. And of course, the whole world continues to be popular, slam-bang, top entertainment. I don't know what that means. I, he means, like, the, the universe of Jurassic Park like, oh. is, is like a blockbuster, like a popular blockbuster. So he's like, right. basically, he's like, hey, I like my character, and these movies are big, so it's exciting. You know what? Since this quote is super long, I think we should go in, like, little chunks and break it down as we go, yeah? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. All right. So, uh, okay, uh, I'll cut this bit. I talked to the director, J.A. Bayona, over the phone. I enjoyed his movie, The Impossible, with Naomi Watts, and he's something else. So that that tells me that they've actually not met in person? No, they probably have not. I mean, they... I guess they could have met, like, in the past, but, like, not really talked too much about the story. But, uh, yeah, no, it's very possible that they did not meet until basically, well, probably not today, but we do know that he's filming today, but we'll get to that later on. So does that mean that if Jurassic World had a table read, Jeff Goldblum would not have been at that table read? Yeah, that sounds like it's very possible that he was not at the table read. I don't really know Jurassic... I don't know if they do table reads, like the Jurassic franchise, to be honest with you. But don't, um, mo- don't movies... Aren't they supposed to do table reads? A lot of movies do, but it's not... You know, a lot of times you don't always have everybody there. Um, and also, you got to realize, Jeff Goldblum just had a, uh, a, a new child. Um, oh, but they could have been doing this table read, like, months, months ago. Sure, but I think he was... Uh, working on a project or something at that point. I'm, I'm not sure. You know, his schedule just may have not aligned. I, I'm not entirely certain. Maybe they just didn't want to fly Jeff Goldblum all the way out to London just to do, like, a table read for a day and then say, okay, we'll see you in a few months. I, I'm not really sure. I don't know. It, okay, let's let's take a hypothetical because people love speculation. If if there was a table read and he did not attend, that probably means his, his role is going to be super, super small to the point where there's no point coming in for a, a read, right? Not necessarily. Um, 
I'm trying to think of a good, uh, like a good reference to use. Um, I guess either Muldoon or Ray Arnold in Jurassic Park. They don't have a, a lot of screen time, but the scenes that they contribute to are pretty memorable. They feel very relevant to the story, and they're certainly they don't feel like random one-off side characters the way that um the way that like Jake Johnson and Lauren Lapkus do in Jurassic Excuse World. Excuse you, oh, Jake I Johnson's a hero. I love he's him, hero but his, his characters, his character, it, he's not forgettable. He's very memorable in the sense that he has like a lot of character and he's you know pretty you know charismatic and fun, but. In a lot of ways, he doesn't necessarily feel crucial to the plot. His character could have been replaced by literally any random tech guy, and it would have been the same. Whereas Ray Arnold, you know, he he knew Jurassic Park. You know, he was crucial to Jurassic Park, just like Muldoon was crucial to Jurassic Park. I mean, like, his character contributed something. Um, you know, Muldoon was the raptor expert, and, you know, he was the game warden. Um so I, I think that Malcolm, even if his screen time is abbreviated, I think that he'll feel more like a supporting character, like one of those two characters, as opposed to, uh, I don't know, let me try to think of another example. Give me a random supporting character in The Lost World that doesn't have a lot of screen time and doesn't oh, feel important. Oh, crap. Um, uh, Audrey. Uh, yeah, he he could have been memorable, um, but he kind of wasn't. Uh you know, if you're a super fan, you're like, oh, no, I remember him. He was awesome. But, you know, for the most part, the average moviegoer is not going to remember what he contributed to that movie at all. Or another example would be, like, Burke. Burke was hype. Even I remember Burke. I don't even like the movie. Yeah, but again, even though you don't like the movie, you're still on a Jurassic Park, you know, a Jurassic Park, Jurassic World website on a podcast. I, 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 think, I, I really think know the least amount of Jurassic Park out of all the guys on our website. It's probably possible. Except for yeah. Jurassic Park 3, that's I own that. That's mine. It, it is yours. You're definitely the only person that swears by Jurassic Park 3. I'm the resident expert. Yeah. I'm glad one of us have it down. <laughs> um, you know, Jack. Jack's come around in Jurassic Park 3 again. No, he I, liked it. That he like left the bandwagon as soon yeah. as he, like he watched it. Okay, <laughs> that's what I. He was like, okay, never mind. I did watch it. Yeah, the movie, not so great. Um. No, Jurassic Park 3 has its moments, but uh, let's not go down that path of talking about Yeah, not yet. That's for, that's for another day. Yeah. Anyway, back to the uh, quote, I think, yeah? Yeah, he talked about All the right. impossible, Naomi Watts. Yep. Uh, I didn't realize he was a good friend of a friend of mine, a director I worked with a while ago in Spain named Fernando Truba. Yes? Yes. Who's, I guess, who's I guess. just <laughs> fantastic. So we know uh, Jeff Goldblum has friends. Very good. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm happy. I was always worried he was just a lonely, solitary guy. Yeah, he's a weird dude, isn't he, though? No, he's weird, but I don't think he's a... I, I'm sure he's got plenty of friends. Oh, no, no doubt. Charismatic no. as hell. Oh, dude, did you see him in the, uh... With the, uh, chip thing? Not the chip, wait, oh, his, like, Chef Goldblum truck? <laughs> I... Did they... Did he ever say why he was doing that? Like, what it was for? No idea. I think it's. I think he was jokingly saying he was working for like he's researching for a project or something. But I don't know. Who knows? It's it's, just, it's a very Jeff Goldblum thing to do, and I think it's just kind of brilliant that that happened the day that he was announced for Jurassic World two. So it's like, yeah, Jeff Goldblum's returning in Jurassic World two, and what's Perfect Jeff Goldblum? Timing. And what's Jeff Goldblum doing? He's handing out sausages in Australia on a food truck. Sweet. That is super Jeff Goldblum. 
Otherwise, yeah, he's I'm like so jealous though. Like of the people who got free hot dogs or whatever, and got to uh, chat with the legend himself. I'm so I jealous. Know, I know, I know. Maybe, you know, if we ever meet him, maybe we can give him a hot dog that then he can hand to us, and we can <laughs> kind of experience that. Be a little weird, but I feel it won't like be he'd... the same though. It won't I, be the same. I feel like he'd be down for it though. He'd be down for anything. I think. Didn't he meet? Uh... Hmm. Didn't Yaroslav meet him? Yeah, he did at one of his uh, jazz shows. No, I'm so jealous. You know what? If we ever, if we're ever in LA together, I think we should hunt him down. But not, not like hunt him down, but like you know, find out where he is and his like his jazz arena thing. And oh, oh, like if he has a jazz show going on and go see him, go see him at the show. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, dude, that'd be hype, wouldn't it? Hunt, him, drink with hunt him down sounded kind of sinister and creepy, but I'm glad that you clarified. No, I, I saved myself though. I saved it. <laughs> I was a little, I was a little concerned and confused, but um, anyhow, so back to the quote. Knowing that the two of them are uh, brethren and brotherly in their friendship makes me feel very good, too. Even though some might say it's popcorn-y entertainment, top-notch, of course, in our conversation he is very focused on the serious issues of greed as it oftentimes comes up in those movies, and the marvels of science and reason, and the very fascinating point at which our species find itself today, both in real life and in its imaginary world. So it seems like they're doing the uh, the same type, uh, same type, you know, themes that have resonated with the you know franchise the entire time: greed, uh, science gone wrong, kind of thing, you know. Yeah, absolutely. You know, science left unchecked, um, especially in the wrong hands, can be used for some very bad things. You know, sometimes you have you know innovators and creators, and they're manipulated to create things that ultimately change the world in less than ideal ways um or not even manipulated sometimes just their you know their innovation leads to less than ideal scenarios yeah i, I mean not to hearken to something so stereotypical but i mean when you look at like the atomic bomb and the science that goes behind that is you know just absolutely brilliant crazy fascinating amazing cutting edge but look what you know the outcome of creating nuclear weapons it's you know and obviously i'm not saying dinosaurs are like nuclear weapons but i i do think that it's a uh it's a it's a talking point and it's quite thematically relevant to jurassic park the interesting part is that they're doing the the greed thing all over again that's not a bad thing i mean you have to to do something with the series but it's like the same theme that we've been uh exploring for four movies now isn't it i think it's more than just greed i think it's about ethics and i think it's important though to mention that Malcolm's character, of course he's going to come in and he's going to be very focused on the greed part of it. Because basically, what else, what other reason would there be to continue to create dinosaurs at this point? So his character is going to come in and say, like, you know, maybe you aren't trying to profit off this situation, but the other, these other people are. And these, you know, these animals are going to be a hazard. They're dangerous, and they're going to be a hazard. And really, the only justification the only reason why people are really supporting it still is for greed so i mean i think that like i think it's important though also to mention that you know it sounds like jeff goldblum himself was surprised by um j.a bayona taking it so seriously so i think like in a lot of ways he might view you know modern jurassic films as a little bit more popcorn entertainment and uh then after speaking with J.A. Biona, he probably was taken to the point where it seems like, okay, so he's taking this very seriously, and he has a um, he has a story to tell beyond dinosaurs eat people. Yeah, and so I, it, I think that's absolutely a great thing. You know, he brings up science. Oh, 100%, yeah. Science, greed, um, you know, the marvels of science and reason. Um, 
I, I think that it's, that sounds so Malcolm, doesn't it? Like, it absolutely yeah. sounds like the type of thing that Malcolm's character would contribute to to the story. So, no, I'm, I'm absolutely... Um, I, I, I'm really... I guess we already expected that, but I'm very reassured by just that little soundbite or however you want to put it from Jeff yeah. Goldblum. It's obviously going to be like a straight-up popcorn movie, but it's good to see that J.A. is actually not interested in just making a... Uh, like a budget, like a, not a budget, big budget money making machine. Like he actually has some like deep thoughts and ideas about the franchise. So that's good to hear at least. So yeah, absolutely. It does nothing except, you know, put, make me put more faith into JA. It makes me feel like the movie's in good hands, at least in terms of directing wise. So there's nothing and, bad from this, man. It's good. And, and another thing that I'm kind of glad about is like, it doesn't sound like he was telling Jeff Goldblum like, Oh, we love you. You're charismatic, which is true. And your character is so weird and zany, and we want you to be weird and zany and charismatic on the screen. No, he talked about, like, the story. He didn't talk about Jeff Goldblum being Jeff Goldblum and bringing that to the screen. He talked about what the story, what Malcolm can can contribute to the story. Not what Jeff Goldblum can contribute to the film, but what Malcolm can contribute to the story. And for me, that's reassuring, because I love Jeff Goldblum. And I talked a bit about this on the last podcast. But I want Jeff Goldblum to be Ian Malcolm and not Jeff Goldblum which I've found a lot of modern movies just basically bring Jeff in and say, dude, you're awesome, just be you in this movie. Be yourself. Yeah, be yourself. Independence Day Resurgence, looking at you, boy. And, like, that's not not Jeff Goldblum's fault at all. And trust me, he is really charismatic, and I don't blame people for defaulting and just kind of being like, dude, just be you because you're great. But at the same time, Ian Malcolm, there's a lot of Jeff Goldblum in Ian Malcolm, but he's still a very unique character. And I am kind of happy that it seems like J.A. is really focused on Ian Malcolm rather than Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, hopefully we get a more uh, a more Jurassic Park Ian Malcolm than a Lost World Ian Malcolm. Cause totally, Lost totally World, agreed. Yeah, he was too, uh, he was too boring. He was different, and I've always attributed, attributed it to him being a father in that movie. Like, obviously he was a father in Jurassic Park, but he wasn't around his kids, he was single, he wasn't around his girlfriend... And in, you know, in The Lost World, he's basically, first he goes there to, quote-unquote, rescue his girlfriend, and then he finds out his daughter's on the island. So I think that he kind of, he, he was just kind of like, you know what, I'm not being my chaotician self. Like, all these thoughts are probably in his head, but he's not going on his rants about ethics and morality, because he's just ba- he basically just wants to get off the island and protect those he cares about. So you know, it'll be, it'll be, It's interesting, because... In the first movie, he was like hitting on uh, Ellie Slout and whatnot. In the second movie, he had Sarah uh, Sarah Harding. Mm-hmm. I wonder if Sarah Harding and Jeff Goldblum, sorry Ian Malcolm, are a thing are a thing of the past at this point. And Jeff think... Goldblum starts hitting on Claire and like the other people in the movie. That'd be that'd be kind of funny, wouldn't it? That'd be oh my, cool. yeah, no, I absolutely, I do hope that we get a single uh, Ian Malcolm back. Um, don't get me wrong, I loved him and Sarah, and I would love to hear that him and Sarah have like a healthy relationship. But I still think it'd be kind of more satisfying if Ian is single. Uh, yeah, and he's like flirting all over the place. That'd be cool. Yeah, like, you know, just because he's not together with Sarah anymore doesn't mean they didn't have, like, a good relationship. Like, it's very possible that he and, you know, fictionally he and Sarah Harding still have a really strong, healthy relationship, but they're just not together formally. Um, and I, I think that that's... I think that that's a good direction for Malcolm's character, at least in my opinion. I think that you can have a lot of fun with that. Um, of course, I don't want them to... I, I don't want them to uh, focus too much on, like, the comedy aspects of his character. He was very unique and funny and weird in Jurassic Park, but it wasn't overdone. 
And again, I think that harkens back to what I was saying, is it's very easy just to say, Jeff Goldblum, be Jeff Goldblum. And no, no, like, dial it back. He, 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 he's going to steal the screen Oh, I mean, you know, yeah, he's going to steal the screen from anyone, no matter what. Even the dinosaurs, man. No one's going to look at the dinosaurs. They're going to be looking at Jeff Goldblum. And honestly, to be entirely honest with you, this is not anything to do with the story or his Uh-oh. character. Here we but, go. but if one of the marketing photos, you know, when they do like marketing photos, press photos, yeah. for, um for a movie, if there's not a picture of modern day Jeff Goldblum recreating his iconic, sexy Ian Malcolm pose. It's a big mistake. Oh my god, dude! Yes, that'd be hilarious. So, also, guess what? Uh, yeah, Alex is finally awake. <laughs> he fell asleep. You're right, man. You got, you nailed it. Baby boys, man. Baby boys need their sleep. Let's finish off this quote real quick. Uh, where were we? Where were we? I'm Less. very interested in that myself. So I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, that's where we are. I've got a few things to do. I'm nothing. I'm nothing if not conscientious. Conscientious. Sorry. <laughs> it's a hard word, man. So I'm enjoying working on it every day. Um, oh, it, that's interesting. You know, uh, you know. So ultimately, I think this is really good. Jeff Goldblum's coming back to Jurassic Park. You know, Malcolm's back, and he seems excited about it. And he's talking a lot about the character. So again, I think that he he's in touch with what makes Malcolm special, and so is Bayona. So I think we're in for a treat there. Um, you know what's interesting, Chris? Uh, at the very end, he says, um, uh, I've got a few things to do. And he says, I'm enjoying working on it every day. Working on it. It's, mo- it's almost as if he's been working on it for a while now. I think he might just be talking about how, how he's juggling so many projects. Are you sure? I don't I know about so working on it. I don't know. If you go to the full interview, like, because this is just one question of like the full interview, and when you apply that context to the full interview... Uh, it sounds more like he's talking about just working as like an actor and an artist and a contributor like every day. Personally, that's my take on it. I think that he's just Ooh, kind of referring okay. to his multiple projects. Um, Interesting. I mean, that's my take. I might be wrong, but that's I think wrong. I think it's I think that relates dire- that little end bit relates directly to him working on Jurassic, in my opinion. So I don't know. That's this is interesting. It's also possible that, you know, he means, hey, every day that I've worked on Jurassic, as every day I've read this script or talked to somebody, um, I've enjoyed it. So that's also possible. That's true. It, it could mean a bunch of things. But we do know for a fact that, or at least we assume based on the picture that was posted by Colin Trevorrow on, a, what, what month is it? May 10th, that um, Jeff that Goldblum's... Today, like, this morning... Yeah. Yeah, his actor chair has been added to the uh, set, so we know he's been filming today, or it's going to be start start filming very soon. So this is that's exciting, isn't it? Like yeah. Jeff Goldblum, twenty years after the last time we saw him, yeah, we're going to see him again for the first time. That's so crazy. It's yeah, it's going to be great. In fact, it's going to be uh, twenty one years by the time the film's out, um, which is just insane because you know we're at the twentieth anniversary of the Lost yeah. World this month. Um, yeah, no, so uh, Colin just posted the picture. If I'm not mistaken, he didn't even, he had, like, literally no, yeah, there was no font, or, or not font. There was, no, there was yeah. no, there was nothing Cat, to the no tweet, just the picture. Yeah, yeah just the photo I mean, of his actor's chair that says Ian Malcolm sitting there on set, and yep. it looks like a chair sitting on a set, but it is so hype. It's already got over a thousand retweets. Dude, it's Ian um, Malcolm. It's, it's his it's, chair, dude. It's a chair that says Ian Malcolm. Now, tell me, how... How awesome would it have been if instead of us getting, like, Hollywood Reporter confirms Jeff Goldblum's returning, literally, if just 
uh, Colin did this. They didn't put out a press Dude, release about it. It would have been bonkers. And like literally just post this picture and people just freak out. Like, wait, what? And then Hollywood Reporter could have followed up with their article about Oh, that's the way they should have done it, though. That's, oh my god, the internet would have blown up, dude. uh, It would have been so much, it would have been such a better way to announce him returning. It's not like he's leaked since then, so it's not like they had to do this. So I'm I'm not really sure why they announced it before posting this picture, but, you know, whatever. It's, It's not really that important. I just think that would have been really cool to watch it unfold that way. Um... So yeah. he posted that literally about 12 hours ago. Uh, the same time, Jay Bayona posted something. He did? Oh, he posted a uh, a cool picture of Amber, a mosquito, and what looks to be a cane. Well, that's not Ooh. a mosquito. What? <laughs> I, need, I need glasses, my friend. I need glasses. What, what is that? Uh, Are you sure it's not a mosquito? Absolutely sure it's not a mosquito. What it is, I don't know. Um, oh... The plot thickens. But yeah, so it right away you immediately look at it, and the first thought is, like, maybe reflexively you look at it and go, is that John Hammond's cane? And it's like, wait, no, 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 it's different than John Hammond's cane, but it's the same type of cane. It's a cane with an amber egg top with something inside the amber. Um, the way this is different is the structural build of the top of the cane is actually built slightly different than John Hammond's cane. It um, looks like Obi-Wan's lightsaber from... Uh... <laughs> Whatever, whatever movie he had that lightsaber in. Episode 3 and episode 4. Uh, yeah, kind of. I guess it does sort of look like that. Yeah. Uh, and Hammond's cane is white, sort of painted like a bone. And this one seems to be painted a chocolate brown. On top of that, the uh, amber topping, whatever's inside of it is not a mosquito. It seems it's messy, to be, though. Yeah, something messy. And I, that almost seems to go back to like our thoughts of the character. So... So you look at this and you go, well, then, if it's Amber Kane and it's not John Hammonds, who is it? And then immediately you're taken Lockwood. back. Lockwood. Yeah, you're taken back to a few weeks ago when uh, James Cromwell said, oh, I'm playing a character named Benjamin Lockwood. And he was uh, John Hammond's partner and he helped develop the technology to bring dinosaurs back to life. And so you're like, oh, my God, they both had commemorative canes built for them. They're both slightly different but very similar. So while John Hammonds has this nice, pristine mosquito preserved inside and is, like, this white and kind of, you know, it's got this, like, good aura around it, uh, Lockwood's cane is, like, a dark auburn color. And inside it's chaotic. It's, yeah, exactly. It's something more chaotic inside. And I, I think that, that kind of is maybe a hint on what his character is. Chris, you're blowing um, my mind, man. You're blowing my mind. And uh, I'm looking at the material inside of it. The one bit where the light is the most, it sort of looks like a bit of a leaf preserved. But yeah, honestly, yeah, I see that. the other bits sort of do look like bone fragments or congealed blood or like soft tissue. If you've ever seen soft tissue extracted from a fossilized bone, it looks very similar. I'm not, so, I'm not sure what's going on on like the right side. It's, it's like a whole, it's a whole thing. I don't know. Like, I, you know, it almost looks like flecks of flesh or like congealed blood or soft tissue, to be honest with you. So if it's not a plant, I wouldn't be surprised if it's fragments of like in, an injured animal brushed up against a tree. And, you know, bits of its flesh kind of got stuck in the sap and eventually formed into amber. Um, so what is the creature that's inside there? I don't know. But the fact that it's, um, the fact that it, you know, it, it is these remains of a uh, injured animal, I think that that's really, really, really neat. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's just, it's just good. It's good production design. I don't know. It looks, it looks really nice. I want to have that. I don't want the boring John Hammond can. I want the cool chaotic can. You know, because I'm a, I'm a cool boy. Uh, I don't know 
don't know. I like, I like John Hammond's cane. I like both of them. Now I'm already, you know, we know that Chronicle is working on a John Hammond's cane. And um, now I'm already in my head like, well, now they've got to do Lockwood's cane. Assuming it is Lockwood's cane. And if it's not, man, I don't know whose cane it is. Yo, it's, it's Goldblum's cane, bro. He's old man. He's, <laughs> he's, he's like, yeah, I want this. No, I don't think Goldblum would do that. I mean, I, No, of course not. I don't think Malcolm would do that. But, um, no, I mean, I'm looking at that and I absolutely, I, I love it. I love the idea of Lockwood having a cane. Um, what's interesting is that goes to show you that they went as far as probably cloning dinosaurs and commemorating the event with these canes. Yes. But, you know, in my personal opinion, they probably had to have a fall fallout. Their their relationships had to sour because otherwise, where has Lockwood been? So yeah, that's kind of, it's kind of weird if you think about it. Like this whole time, you, th- you you would think that it was just John Hammond by himself, you know, the architect of Jurassic Park, and then now, now we know there's like this other whole other aspect that we never had any idea about. So I like that that this movie is you know connecting to Jurassic Park and it's pushing the mythology into new yeah. into new areas that we had no idea about, which is nice. It's pushing the future mythology forward as well as as well as, as expanding yeah, as expanding the past. And it's really in a lot of ways, in my opinion, it's really connecting all the stories together. It really I think it adds a certain layer of um the timeline, especially in Jurassic World. It it, it uh I guess it brings that Jurassic Park mythology forward into the timeline of Jurassic World and Jurassic World Two. And I think that it you know, as you watch these movies, you in your mind you're gonna then kind of be like building this bigger story happening in the background and it also opens opens the options you know jurassic world would ever do um novels it opens the option for some really interesting uh story content in the expanded universe like i think we need a prequel novel now officially like leading up to the opening of the park i think we need this now or something something prequel in my mind there's all there's a prequel novel in my personal mind like my head canon there's a uh prequel Mm -hmm. novel for henry Wu. um Oh, you mean like Wu's the main character and his, all his hearts? Yeah. I, I want to know what happened between Hammond and uh, Cromwell. I want to know what happened. Well, I, you know what would be interesting is if you wrote it from Wu's perspective, because he's obviously been there since day one, since he's truly the architect of the technology to bring back yeah. the dinosaurs. Yeah. You know, he's the genius that brought it to life. Um, you know, Hammond and, you know, Lockwood, they were kind of the grandfathers of the idea. They funded the idea. They pushed it forward. But Wu drove the technology to actually make it possible. So yeah, if you think about it, a prequel novel could have a lot of action in it. People could die, and they could have a ton of like mystery, suspense, like backstabbing. It could be a, a really good novel, you know? Yeah, and it's a novel, and it's built for super fans. So don't worry about making it like a crazy action fest. Like honestly, go into the science, yeah. go into the mythos, and you can honestly, truthfully. I think you could do a trilogy based on Henry Wu. You can have... Oh, like, I, I, I always gotta milk it out. I always have to milk it. Well, no, because you can have well, probably at least two, a duology. Um, you you can have um, basically the days before Jurassic Park and leading to shortly after Jurassic Park, and then the days between Jurassic Park and Jurassic, Jurassic World. World. Yeah, I want to know what happened in between that and space, what I happened in his mindset. I think there's a lot of story there to be told. No, you're right. I think yeah. that you can develop the character, you can evolve the character, you can have character growth... Um, and you can really tell a lot of the backstory and how did Jurassic World get built. You know, you can learn a lot about Simon Mizrani. You can learn a lot about the technology. You can learn a lot about Hoskins. But you can truthfully grow with Henry Wu as a character, which um, helps, you know, as a fan to build up his character who's been in all these movies, who's going to be in Jurassic Park, Jurassic World, and Jurassic World 2. And who knows? He might even be in Jurassic World 3. And I think... uh 
Wu kind of came off as a little bit more sinister and cold in Jurassic World, and that's just he was arrogant in Jurassic Park, but he did not seem like that at all. So I think that it's important to kind of understand where he's been as a character and why he is the way in Jurassic why he is the way he is in Jurassic World. Why was he back channeling with Hoskins? I, I don't think that we necessarily need a movie. Um, but I think that there is a story to be told there, and I think that uh, I think it's probably one of the better perspectives to write from that harkens to the uh, mythology of Jurassic Park and what makes Jurassic Park special as a movie and as a novel. I think it could really capture that Michael Crichton magic um, just by focusing on a sciencey character like that. Chris, you just sold me on a uh, a book series about Henry Wu. I'm sold, man. I want that more than I want Jurassic World three. Or you know, whatever honestly, movie you can learn about Lockwood. So, like the, the first novel, you can learn about Lockwood's. You know, Lockwood can be like one of the main characters, but it's from Wu's perspective. And you have Lockwood, Hammond. You've got Muldoon. You can have like all these different characters. Dude, you can hop between Site A and Site B. It's yeah. so crazy. There's so much potential. I'm so pumped about this idea now. I want this to happen. Exactly, and then you can eventually learn about you know Lockwood's. You know. I'm assuming his fall from grace. You know, I'm assuming that him and Hammond had a very major disagreement. A lot yep. got locked out, um, and eventually, you know, after I, I kind of see um after uh, Hammond's death, him kind of trying to reconnect with Henry Wu. Um, so there's probably some story there as well as in learning about Miss Ronnie's aspect, and then that's how you learn more about Simon Miss Ronnie. And you learn, but yeah. it's all from a living character's perspective. So rather than just writing about dead characters that really don't contribute to the story, you can learn about the past while learning about somebody who will contribute to the future. And I think there's so there, many aspects. Yeah, I think there. I think that there's a very satisfying story to be told there. In my opinion. Chris, how do we how do we pitch this to Universal? Who do we have to contact to get this thing to happen? You know, like honestly, I think one of the better ways to do it is if Universal doesn't have a novel in the works already, is to have like a publishing house approach an author. And that author then goes to Universal with the pitch and say, hey, I want to write a story about this character. Um, I have this story in mind, but I will adhere to your internal canon. Can we make this story happen? And um, I think that that is like basically the best way to do it is find a talented author who writes different you know, science fiction stories. Um, you know, I almost like, I wonder like, I almost wonder what like a Greg Bear Jurassic Park uh, Greg Bear, he's written a lot of like sci-fi novels, but I almost wonder what. Um, uh, you know, I, almost... I read your textbooks, so if you know, if any cool textbook author is listening to this, go uh, go pitch this to someone. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I almost wonder like what he could contribute to the Jurassic Park universe. Um, there's other authors. Out, there's a lot of other authors out there. Oh, there's tons. Anyone's an um, author. I'm an author. Hell. Yeah. I mean, but honestly, I think there are stories to be told. Uh, and it would be mainly for the super fans, um, but, but I you think know that... it would sell though because if you tied it in with the release of whatever movie or you know it's gonna make it's gonna make some money. Exactly, and it, you can introduce new content. You can tell side stories that are just crazy and out there and self-contained as well, um, without really altering what makes Jurassic Park movie special. So if there are things you want to delve into that necessarily wouldn't work as part of the saga of like the trilogy or, you know, the larger story that's being told, that, that is also another place to tell it. That is another way to tell it. And um, if you really want to explore the idea of hybrids further, um, 
it is a way to talk about the science behind the hybrids because the science oh, yeah, behind you can go real sciencey with these yeah, books, man. Science behind the dinosaur hybrids is actually really interesting to me. I like that idea, but as a Jurassic Park movie, I'd rather see real, real dinosaurs um, in a fictional capacity pictured on screen. Sure. AKA um, no feathers. Uh, I still think feathers could work, but we don't need to go in that debate right now. You can you can have, you can even have like feathers in the uh, in the in the novel and like yo know, is like yo these don't look cool get rid of them or something you know yeah I mean something along those lines I still think it's where the they never cloned anything like an Archaeopteryx or a Microraptor like because nobody would be offended about an Archaeopteryx being nah, in the movie not at all. Like, you know what I mean people would be like oh sweet Archaeopteryx people would be like oh don't put feathers on my Velociraptor but you can go ahead and have a Microraptor with feathers I'm still surprised they never like went for a very avian species of dinosaur, like a small, compy-sized feathered animal, and put them in the movies, because it would be kind of cool to see these flying dinosaurs, for lack of better words, with these crazy, ornate feather displays. And take it take it a step further, because I've seen a lot of feathered animals, um, feathered dinosaur, paleo art, they kind of like look like blackbirds. They're very plain. They um, look boring, like fat fat chickens or something. Yeah. Or as a like, fat kid in Jurassic Park said, uh, six foot turkeys. Yeah, no, I take, you know what, there are, if you look at the birds in our world, um, I, a lot, a lot of times people make them look like birds of prey, which kind of, I don't know, I would look personally to, for, to make a fictional creature based on the real thing, I would look at like birds of paradise and different tropical birds with very unique and ornate feather display patterns. A peacock? Um, I was even like if you look at bird birds of paradise um, and different animals that live in like the tropics. I, I think that there's a lot that you can do with like a microraptor. If you like mixed a microraptor and you reconstructed it with um, feather patterns similar to that of like birds of paradise and different other uh, very un- animals with very unique and ornate plumage. Um, think of like the uh, Dilophosaurus. It's frill. How its frill shoots out when it's you know about to attack. Yeah. Imagine something similar with feathers. Where it's got a very dinosaur-like structure, but then right before it attacks, like the feathers on its back like plume out, its head like flumes outwards, its tail like springs upwards, and just looks like a completely different structure as it's sitting there like hissing or roaring, and like suddenly it just looks crazy and ornate, and then it goes back to sort of looking like a dinosaur with feathers when it's just kind of meandering around or flying around. I, I think that that's really interesting because you can really play with the silhouette of the animal, you can play with the profile of the animal. And you can do things that you just cannot do with scaled dinosaurs. Um, and I think that if you're going to do feathers, that's exactly the, the direction, fictionally, that you should go for. Do things that you can artistically not do. Do something that brings something new to the table and that's going to wow audiences while still staying true to real-life animals. You might be deviating a bit from the real fictional animal, but you're still depicting it as a feathered creature. Personally, as like... If like I were like an art director on that, I would just be so thrilled. I'd be like, "Guys, go nuts! Sell me on feathers on why they should exist." Like, <laughs> You're so passionate about feathers, Chris. Do stuff that you can't do, though. Like honestly, do stuff that you can't do otherwise. That, that, that is my personal my my biggest like takeaway from it. Is there's a lot of opportunities to do things that you could never think of, and I don't know. I, I just artistically, I think there's a lot of potential there. As well as then it incorporates the real-life science of dinosaurs having feathers, and you by no means need to put it on every dinosaur. I don't want a feathered T-Rex in Jurassic Park. Um, but, you know, honestly, I think there's still a lot of potential there. And feathers can be scary, even in real life. I was looking at a picture of a uh, cassowary, and that thing is literally a modern dinosaur. 
Yeah, I mean, have you seen like cassowary attacks? Like, yeah, those things will they'll they'll mess you up, man. They'll kill they, you. They will literally rip your stomach open if they kick you. Like they can kill you with a kick, which is amazing. I mean, they're beautiful. Right there. They're beautiful, beautiful animals. Um, but at the same time, they're incredibly dangerous. Um, and I I think that there's just a lot of huh, I don't know. I, I think that there's just a lot of potential. Like I. Right now, I'm sending you images of different uh, birds that just completely change their body structures. Yeah, they're uh, gorgeous. Uh, when they decide to do a display pattern with their feathers. And then they go back to looking like a normal bird. And in my mind, it would go back to looking like a normal dinosaur instead of being covered with scales that's covered with feathers. But then it just does insane things otherwise. Um, but that's a bit of a tangent. <laughs> tangents are good, man. Tangents, tangents are good. We have a lot to talk about. A lot of Jurassic World, you know... Jurassic Park. It's good to discuss these things, you know? To give our perspectives and whatnot. But I, I don't think anybody would be horribly offended if, like, those images I showed you, if they, like, apply that design pattern to, like, no, a, mic- a Microraptor I, and Archaeopteryx. Yeah. I just don't think people want to see Triceratops that looks like a parrot. That's know? my issue. I don't know much about dinosaurs. I think that's pretty obvious by now. Um, I just don't want my Velociraptor or my T-Rex to have feathers. If you want to introduce a new thing that has feathers for, like, a second on screen, fine, do it. As long as my, like, as long as long the main guys don't have any feathers, I'm fine. Yeah, no, I'm totally there with you. I love the classic Jurassic Park designs. I think they are iconic movie creatures. And I don't think that they should retcon those designs just to adhere to modern science. However, and there's a canon. There's a universe. There's a, ca- a canonical reason in the universe to have them look without yeah. feathers so it, now, it, just leave it alone you know however dinosaur designs continue to change movie to movie and fans have basically constructed canon to say oh they're subspecies they're you know they're a different clone strand etc I don't so believe you know, that I think that, that, you just gotta take it for what it is at that point you gotta, you gotta change it up a little bit you know well I mean it, maybe Jurassic World 2 will actually finally answer this question it's like if we do go back to Sorna wouldn't it be cool if we do see like two separate strains of Velociraptor, like the Jurassic Park three, and then like the Jurassic Park Lost World design? And you're like, oh, okay, there actually are two different tribes of Velociraptor. I would literally Sona. poo my pants if that happened. It, it would be so cool because it would just add a certain layer to the fiction and canon um, that you would eventually be like, oh, okay, now it all makes sense. Like we don't have the backstory on why there are two of them existing, but we 100 percent know that there. Are yeah, two but you don't, you don't need existing. the backstory at that point. Yeah, if if it exists, it exists. Who cares? It exists. Yeah. And I think that because every movie continues to introduce new dinosaur species, that's the way to introduce feathers. Just in- introduce them on something new. Um, you don't need to. Re- you don't need to make them steal the show. You don't need to replace the feathered raptors. With, you don't need to replace old raptors with feathered raptors. But you can just introduce them as a side species that contributes something to screen time and story. And I think that that uh, opens again with the idea of genetic tampering. I think that that's more fascinating than fictional hybrids. I think what's more fascinating than fictional hybrids is having dinosaurs that are more realistic to science and ancient history and dinosaurs that are less realistic and constructed by engine for quote-unquote entertainment purposes. But You know what? It'd be weird if we got Blue back again. I mean, and she looks different. Like, you know how Jurassic Park uh, 2 to 3 have that weird change of dinosaur shapes in the Velociraptor, right? Well, okay, what yeah. If blue looks like wildly different. That be that's my biggest worry with these damn movies, man. It's I like, don't think that that's going to happen. I mean, there might be slight changes to her design to like you know, I, I felt like she looked weird from some angles where she looked like an overstuffed turkey. Like when Chris, she was on. being well fed. Okay, she was a well. <laughs> so I mean, she's gonna be she'll probably be skinnier in this one because you know there's no one there. Yeah. For you. So as long as her color is exactly the same, 
I wouldn't mind if they made her like silhouette and profile look a little bit more like a classic Jurassic Park Velociraptor. However, Blue, she has some very unique features. Like her face is very, she has these kind of like scoots all over it, like these kind of yeah, like, little bumpy, bumps. bumpy faces. Yeah, I hope that that's all retained to the T. But even if they change her silhouette to look a little bit more sleek and athletic, I hope that she keeps her unique characteristics. Yeah, you there. can just that. I can justify that because she's probably not being fed, so it's fine. And uh, the other thing I would hope that they would change maybe her teeth just look like the way her mouth opened. It reminded me of like like a monstrous snake. Um, that was like with all the Jurassic World Raptors. Like the teeth yeah. just didn't look right to me. So I wouldn't mind if they like kind of adhered a little more closely to the classic Jurassic Park tooth structure, which, again, only people like us would notice. No one would be like, oh, wow, they changed her teeth. If anything, they'd be like, oh, wow, she looks more realistic this time. Realistic as in, you know, quote-unquote, realistic. Like, yeah, as in just something that your eyes can believe is a real living animal. I mean, we'll see what happens, man. We'll see what happens. Um, there's one other thing that I think that we wanted to talk about for a pinch before we close this off. Um... And it is, well, yesterday was J.A. Bayona's Bayona's, uh, birthday. Happy birthday. Um, We know that you're our number one fan for our podcast. Um, Yes, he is. We know that for a fact. He was even on and told us that, didn't he? Yeah. I don't know if he quite said that, but you know. Oh. Honestly, it was so awesome that he swung by. He did not have to uh, stop in and say hi, but he was, you know, really cool. You guys were, uh, you guys had nothing. You guys were at lost words right there. That's funny. Well, you know what's funny is because every podcast, we just kind of wing it. And to make that podcast happen, to make that interview happen, we had to have pre-approved questions. And um, yeah, for one thing, we had like no questions left. And another thing is J.A. Bayona was never part of the pre-approved plan. So both Jack and I clammed up because we weren't like we couldn't. We didn't want to like upset anyone by like like we're like you know like oh hey say hi like oh what's going on like we didn't really know what to say to him yeah. <laughs> like like without like overstepping our boundaries of what was already approved to be talked about yeah you can't you can't ruin that relationship you know by going yeah, against and what we you also agreed on we also were kind of running over our time that we wanted to and like we were trying to wrap it up but we also didn't want to be like hi okay bye like so it was, it was like really weird like both like we had no chance to kind of like figure out exactly how to approach that and, you know again because it was a little bit beyond our uh, approved talking points but uh, yeah that was very very cool but anyways yesterday was J.A. Bayona's uh, birthday mm-hmm. and uh, you know all the fans you know tweeted out uh, really nice things for him on top of that the Jurassic World Twitter account tweeted out an image it looks like uh, the crew presented him with a custom cake uh, for his birthday and it's a really cool cake, you know, it's got the Jurassic World logo, and it's built with, like, the fondant, and, you know, it's got, like, an eye popping out of the logo, and claws popping out of the logo. Um, it says, it just says Jurassic World on it, but I think what's really interesting is the logo is not in hues of blue, but it's rather, like, a reddish pink with, like, an orange sunset gradient. Um, and on top of that, or surrounding the logo is, like, this black concrete or rock look, and it's textured and cracked, almost like it reminds me of a uh, volcanic rock. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep. Um, you know what it actually reminds me of? Uh, one of the early, early VHS covers for uh, Jurassic Park. Oh, it's yeah, that, I, know what, I know what you yeah, mean. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of like that, you know? Yeah, no, and I really like, for one thing, I love the color pattern. I love, like, the kind yeah, of... it looks great. It, it's got that very warm, welcoming, hazy sunset, but mixed with the dinosaur, you know, there's something a little bit ominous about it. Exactly. And on top yep. of that, this this harkens back to our um, thoughts about maybe Jurassic World 2. 
uh, using utilizing a volcano because if that color does indicate the direction they're going for the key art for the new film and that sort of volcanic rock look that they have around the cake actually is important and not just like random cool looking <laughs> texture because it might just be <laughs> we're dissecting cakes on the podcast <laughs> But for real, I mean, it's all we have to go off of. If that is the direction of the logo um, style, I love it. I, I absolutely <laughs> do love it. I, I, I like oh, the colors. Hell. I would really like the new movie to use colors similar to that. Like, no, I, I like agree. This, I don't like like the really harsh red colors on uh, the logos really anymore. Yeah, gradients are always nice. It's but easier on the eyes, too. Yeah, I think that soft, hazy sunset, that warm, welcoming sunset look would look fantastic on a logo. Um, oh, Chris, what about the uh, the other logo that leaked temporarily online? Uh, yeah, I'm not, I don't think it's really leaked because they did tweet it out again. Yeah, but you know, it's gone now. So no, 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 it's back. It's back? Oh. Yeah, they tweeted it out today. What about that logo, though? That, that doesn't look too bad either. It's like, you so, know, kind of smoother than the it, uh, Jurassic like World a, logo. It's the traditional Jurassic World logo, but sort of, I guess for lack of better words, the colors have sort of been inverse, but it's from the ground up a different logo. It looks nice. Yeah, and, uh, and, uh, Structurally, hold on, not structurally. And color-wise, the contrast looks nicer on the eyes. I always found the Jurassic World black and white logo or black and silver logo to look a little messy, and it never quite landed for me. But this new one, it reads very nicely. You know, it's it's cleaned up, it's refined. It's it updated, looks, it, yeah. Yeah, it looks like what they were trying to capture with the Jurassic World logo. They finally captured it. It's and dirty, and it's like fresh and clean and you know yeah. slick and sharp it's nice it's a good mix of both types of logos yeah absolutely so if you go to jurassic world's twitter account and you look at their latest tweet where they say jurassic world the exhibition opens at chicago's field museum blah blah, blah. and there's a picture of the velociraptor looking at the t-rex skeleton if you look at the logo you might not immediately realize that it's a different logo but you'll see the t-rex instead of it being uh, like black it's actually sort of like a silver color and then the background's like a black color and then the letters are sort of cleaned up. And everything like about the presentation is just a little bit cleaned up. Yeah, the record pops. It's got a better contrast. It pops. It really pops. And for me, I think it finally sold a logo that I have not been a fan of. Um, and personally... This is just a good logo, straight up. I have nothing bad to say about it. Yeah. And personally, I could see that being the color direction on the sequel. Um, or the contrast direction on the sequel's logo. So whatever the new title was sitting within that logo. And perhaps... Instead of it just being a black background, they will inject the color. So I can almost imagine, instead of that black background behind the T-Rex, I can almost imagine that sort of soft pink and orange hazy mm-hmm. sunset look. I can and, see uh, it. I, I really think that that would look great on logo. And then whatever the title is, I don't know. But, uh, ma- you know, maybe those uh, t- rumors of epic being in part of the title will end up being tr- true. And when I say epic, I don't mean E-P-I-C. I mean E-P-O-C-H. Which is, um, no one's going to know how to say that. Like, the general audience is going to be like, epoch, I think, yeah, right? Yeah. It's a hard word it, to say. It, it's not necessarily a hard word to say. I mean, no one knows it. No one knows it. You know, it's one of those words that everyone knows, but you've never really, a lot, very few people have had how, to say Yeah, I didn't know what that was. Yeah. So, if it is part of the title, it, it's a very obscure word to have as part of the title, but it, it does... There has been evidence to suggest that it's part of the title. In fact, if you read our latest uh, article, we uh, link back to our speculation articles about it being part of the title. Um, so, I mean, I really don't know what the title would be. You know, 
epic of the dinosaurs, Jurassic World, or a new the, epic. The new epic, yeah, the new epic. The Jurassic epic can be replaced world. with any like any other similar world, like era or something. Yeah, I would say era would be a better uh, a better word to put in the title. Also, like the new yeah. era, Jurassic World. I think that that sounds better. I think epic is really sciency. I think it's pretty cool. It would make a better book title. Um, Even then, yeah, I guess it's 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 too much of a obscure word for people to make sense of it. It sounds like a word that would be on the title of an Ian Malcolm novel, like not about Ian Malcolm, but something that Ian Malcolm would write rather than um rather than the title of a right. big film. I just again, I don't hate the word, but I I do think that it's a bit of an obscure word to use in the title of you know a Jurassic Park sequel. One hundred percent. Yeah. But uh, who knows? We'll find out. Hopefully we'll find out soon. Uh, otherwise, the other things that we might find out soon is uh, JurassicWorldSurvivor.com. It was transferred in ownership from Perfect World Entertainment to Universal Pictures, so they're probably getting ready to go forward. with. Oh, and we know for a fact that Perfect World's going to be having a uh, exhibitor booth at E3 this year in June, so that's nice. Yeah, so I, I think that the, I'm hoping that we'll find out more about the video game. I hope they announce it before then. Yeah, I, I mean, they then, have to, right? It's, it's, a, then, it's a booth. so it's... Yeah. Honestly, like, I hope they kind of go full-on marketing with this. Like, you know, like, maybe, like, a live-action, like, trailer and, like, a CG trailer, like, a story trailer, etc. Yeah. Like, I hope they'd go full-on with that. It'd be really cool if we got, like, a live-action teaser for it or something along those lines before E3. And then E3 is the big, like, game reveal for it. Um, who's, also... uh, who's, this, who's the uh, the publisher again, sorry? Uh, Perfect World Entertainment is the publisher. Who are they owned by? Who's the... Uh, uh, Perfect uh, World is a publisher. I mean, they're not owned by anyone. All right, ever. so who's it? Sorry, I meant to say who's a developer. That's my, my bad. You know, I haven't been able to confirm it exactly, but I'm assuming it is um, Cryptic Studios in, I believe, California. It was, uh-huh. it was originally Cryptic Studios in Seattle that was developing it, and that studio was closed, and the game was temporarily canceled. Um, however, we understand that the game is back in development and has been for some time, and my assumption is it probably went to the other Cryptic Studios. It's, it, you know what? It's interesting, because uh, if this game is really the AAA big-budget game that we heard way back in the day it was, it was supposed to be, you know, uh, it'd be interesting if either Sony or Microsoft put some marketing money towards it and like showed it up in the, in the big conference that they're going to have. That'd be kind of cool, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would hate to hear that one console or another console gets exclusive content but I would love if at least one of the one of the companies like kind of promoted it we know that it's primarily being developed for PC and consoles um, specifically the content was PC I believe Steam specifically and um, then like Xbox One and PlayStation 4 so um, but yeah. the game has to the game has to look pretty impressive otherwise it's going to be just chewed up by the audiences though yeah, I mean, it's being built on an Unreal Engine 4, and all those early leaked assets we saw looked fantastic, um, down to true. the detail of the models in the game. Like, they looked very accurate to Jurassic Park, and they were pretty nicely detailed, uh, and down to the animations. The animations looked very good as well. So I was just thinking back, like Microsoft and Sony have showed off smaller games in their big, big press conferences before so it wouldn't yeah. it wouldn't be out of the question to maybe maybe somehow like out see this like super low percent chance but there's always a chance i don't know i mean it depends on how much money really how much money universal's throwing at it if they're really going to promote this game or if they're going to let the game kind of promote itself you know even like star trek online has seen uh showings at e3 
and that's made by Cryptic Studios, but I don't think that was as much of a... Yeah, it never got the big uh, the big three's attention in any of the press conferences. I want to say it's been shown before, but I might be wrong. I, think I, don't, I don't think it was shown at the... Maybe it was shown by... When it by, moved uh, to console, I think it was. I'm trying to remember. This game is, what, 2011? Yeah, but it only moved to console somewhat recently. Oh, yeah? Oh. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, anyhow, I know people like that game. <laughs> um, but it's very, it's very hardcore, uh, like for Star Trek geeks, and it's very like kind of MMO related. Where, from my understanding, you know, Jurassic World Survivor is supposed to be like a very real, fun third-person action survival game. Um, like not something you would traditionally, you would traditionally relate to a uh, MMO necessarily. Sure. Uh, and, of course, the budget is supposed to be a lot bigger. So there have been, like, third-person open-world games that sort of have MMO elements, but the budgets haven't been huge, and this is supposed to be a fairly large-budgeted game. Yeah, um, like, considering the, like the other, like, DayZ's type, DayZ, like, you know, type of things, like H1, Z1, whatever, like, those, it's, it's supposed to be in the vein of that, in a way, but those games are fairly small budget, considering, I think they, some of them are, like, Kickstarted or something, or Indiegogo yeah, or whatever. Yeah, and... I mean, I think that there's a decent concept behind some of those games, but what what really there needs to be structure. There needs to be some story content. There needs to be mission structure. Uh, there needs to, you know sort of be like one off areas where you kind of engage mm-hmm. in a mission and you're not just running around in open world shooting things um, or surviving. Because we know that the uh, the emphasis is not on shooting, but rather on just kind of surviving. And uh, yeah. I, we haven't gotten a game like that in in so long in the I'm very park, skeptical that in the MO I mean that type of game sounds fantastic I love the yeah. ideas that I'll put shooting in the backdrop um, and just put like survival and exploration and story in the foreground but my problem is, is I'm not really convinced that this game is going to put story into the foreground because it's these, these type of games don't ever it's a free to play MMO yeah. um, now maybe it'll surprise us and maybe it won't be free to play anymore and maybe it'll be something closer to Destiny, where it doesn't cost to play it, but you do have to pay an initial. Like you have to buy the game, and then there's sort of MMO-like elements yeah, incorporated the, into I, it. It's 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 tricky with these types of games. So I don't know. I don't know what their business model is going to be. So we'll see in the coming probably coming weeks. We'll probably know more about it. I'm excited for it. I I am excited for it. I I just hope that if it's not a traditionally single-player game, that it, so it doesn't have like a strong. If it does not have a strong single-player structure to it. I hope they also have a single-player game in the works, basically. Like, this game, I'm sure we're going to love it for what it is. I'm sure it's going to be very cool to explore Isla Nublar. It's going to be very mm-hmm. cool to go, like, you know, through the park, the old park, the new park, and, like, probably learn a lot about Engine. Uh, but I also want a single-player game with story and, like, structure, like Alien Isolation. If we can get that as well at some point, I will be thrilled. <coughs> I don't know why more people aren't interested in having dinosaur games because I know Capcom passed on doing a uh, a Dino Crisis reboot. People, I know Far Cry fucking passed on that too. Like, what's the deal with this? Dinosaurs are back, man. People are interested in doing it. Far Cry passed because they basically only reskinned. It was easier for easier for them to reskin. Um, was it Far Cry Four? Yeah, and into Primal. They, yeah, they yeah. you know they reskinned elephants and like tigers and stuff like that. Like doing it full up as a dinosaur game would be a lot more development time. No, I mean for the uh, Far Cry Five. Apparently, rumor had it like they threw out a survey, a survey two years ago that you know one yeah. of the ideas was no, I think that was, I think that was what became Primal. To be honest with you. Oh, that'd be a huge disappointment. Yeah, no, I think that was what became Primal. Um, Yikes. Uh, 
But even Capcom, though, Capcom but, has the Dino Crisis franchise. And shooters, everyone wants to make it a shooter, and they kind of suck. No. Dude, dinosaurs suck to shoot. They're either bullet sponges or they drop, but they're... But Dino Crisis 1 and 2, man, had the horror in the first one, and then the action in the second. Both are different amazing. Different era of video games. Now, you can bring those Resi- back, though. You can bring them I back. I do agree, but it would take a lot of development time, and it would take a lot of, like... Like, how do you make dinosaurs interesting to play against? I, I guess the best way to do it would be something like Alien Isolation. Like, guns are a last resort. You don't really kill them. You just kind of scare them away. Um, but it's mainly about hiding and exploring. But you can kill it. You can kill a Velociraptor. You can't kill a T Rex. But you know, maybe have different tiers of dinosaurs. That maybe like a uh, Velociraptor can get killed with this weapon, this much ammo. So I don't yeah, know. but it shouldn't yeah. be a frequent thing. I mean, if you play the game, you should probably only kill three Velociraptors or something like that. Oh yeah, no total. doubt, no doubt. Yeah, total. Um, it's just, it's just very complicated. I think it's a very complicated genre to jump into, and I think dinosaurs making them compelling antagonistic forces in a video game where they don't behave like monsters and the game doesn't become a straight-up shooter, I think that's a very difficult thing, and I think it's quite an undertaking. I think people are afraid to take that on. Even the, uh, who are the guys who did the, uh, that multiplayer dinosaur versus human game? Primal Genesis or whatever? Primal uh, Carnage? Yeah. They have, they, yeah, they go, they, uh, what's, oh, dude, uh, Sony picked them up once, remember? Like, when the PS4 was coming out? They had, yeah, like, the showing was, for the story. It was supposed thing? to have a story version yeah, and that, of the game. that went away. Com- yeah, it's yeah. never coming out. Um, yeah, because single-player it's too hard, I guess. I don't know. They're difficult. They're difficult to not be boring. They're difficult. They're not, you know, either they're running guns or they become bullet sponges, and they're just not fun. I think the last fun dinosaur game I had, which was a lot of fun, um, was Peter Jackson's King Kong. Really? Yeah, I love that. Like, rock in 2008 or whatever. That yeah, was fun. I, no, I didn't like it. Oh. <laughs> I did not like it. It was too much of a, like, gun him down, and I, I don't know. I still liked it. I, I did like, uh, I like Peter Jackson's King Kong, though. I, I, I love it had like a lot of cool survival aspects I love the idea of like getting the spears and like kind of throwing them into the raptors and there's it, it felt this, the single player the set pieces were structured really cool for the time uh, I don't know I liked it I liked running away from the tyrannosaurs and a lot of the sequences of the game was it was just a lot of fun it was very very ahead of its time for a uh, video game based on a movie in my opinion I still find it weird like Jurassic World came out um, third or fourth highest movie of all time uh, highest grossing movie of all time, and still no one's even trying or even, you know... Well, they are trying for a video game. you got to realize Jurassic World Survivor was originally supposed to come out with Jurassic World, and then things happened, and I think now they're just pushing it to coincide more with Jurassic World 2. But that would have been more of a tie-in anyway, and tie-in video games are garbage. Well, it was supposed to be an MMO going on for years either way, so... Uh, yeah, but you can't you can't predict those type of things because look at Destiny, ten year franchise, and they're bringing out a brand new game. So I don't know. Well, that was that was always part of the plan. I don't know. I think the game's coming out a little bit earlier than they wanted to, though. No, it's coming out a little later. Uh, really? Are you sure about yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think Destiny Two is supposed to come out a bit later huh. than the original leaks. But um, that's neither here nor there. Yeah. But either way, um, yeah, I'll be very interested to see what they do with this game. I hope that it coincides with Jurassic World 2. I hope it comes out before Jurassic World 2. I hope it comes out this year. And I hope as you play it, it'll give you little Easter eggs that kind of go into whatever we're going to discover with Jurassic World 2. And I hope they continue to update the game so after Jurassic World 2, maybe as the as Nublar evolves, so does the game world. That would be really interesting in my opinion. Yeah. But, um... I think we've exhausted our topics in our runtime for today. Yep, good discussion, good speculation. Can't be uh, uh, mad with that. Is there anything else you wanted to do a shout-out for before we uh, close this off? 
Um, shout out to the Ottawa Senators, ones and twos. We made the Eastern Conference Finals. That's all my shout outs I have today. Okay. Otherwise, I guess just stay tuned for the latest news. Um, I I don't know. I feel like we might get something this month. I really don't know what, but I do feel optimistic that those set images that we got this month aren't. I feel like we'll get something else this month. I don't necessarily mean a title or anything like that, but I feel like we've at least got like one more thing coming this month. I hope I'm right. I might be something big. Month. I hope something at least decent. Be really cool to get uh, images of some of the casting costume officially. Yeah, I mean we know what we know what Chris Pratt looks like. He's in his costume like every other video on Instagram. So yeah, exactly. He's wearing one of those shirts. And... Yeah, what cool Henley or whatever. Yeah, exactly. A dark like was like a dark blue one. Yeah, a dark blue block, something like that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, anyhow, uh, be sure to stay tuned. Uh, like us on Facebook, Twitter. Uh, oh, give us a review on iTunes. That would be great. Yep, review us on iTunes, please. It helps us, uh, you know, get new viewers, listeners, whatever. Um, you know, the more we get to do, the more reviews you get. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. Yep, and <laughs> until, until next time, uh, we're going to try to do podcasts more frequently. Oh, yeah, sorry, one more, one more mention. Uh, there's going to be a podcast every other Thursday from now on. So stay tuned every two weeks on Thursday, brand new episode of the In General Podcast. That's our official schedule from now on, moving forward, unless we have to do an emergency podcast, but that doesn't count. So now you guys know we have an official schedule. All right. It's been good, and uh, until next time. Nice chat with you, Chris. Peace, boy.